After decades of secrecy, the enigmatic chocolatier Willy Wonka is finally opening the doors of his factory to the public. Five golden tickets have been hidden inside five Wonka bars around the world, and the finders of those tickets will get to tour the factory and go home with a lifetime supply of chocolate. Gluttonous Augustus Gloop, greedy Veruca Salt, prideful Violet Beauregard, angry Mike TV, and honest Charlie Bucket are in for the adventure of a lifetime in the 1971 family musical Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Colton Jenkins. And this is Filmgasm. Welcome to the Filmgasm Podcast. Today's episode is one of my all-time favorites, the first movie I ever loved, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Back when we were doing a First Thoughts episode on the new Wonka in December, we felt like we needed to properly discuss the original, so mm. here we are. Uh, what's your history with Willy Wonka? Um, so I think, um, I think actually my grandparents showed me it first, um, yeah, they definitely did. They they uh, they love it. They love that movie. Um, my dad loves that movie. So obviously, like all movies in my life came from my dad. Um, I think I actually saw the Johnny Depp one first, actually. <laughs> wow. um, but that's because my dad used to be a huge Tim Burton fan. So I think I saw that first and I loved it. And then they were like, hey, there's like, you know, this is like a remake. So I watched the original and it's undisputedly un, undisputedly the best one by far. Yeah, I agree. No contest here. Um but I god, I want to eat I want to eat the candy so bad. Every candy bar it in, in the old one. The candy in the new one I don't think looks that good. But fuck, every candy piece of candy in in the original, I want to I want to eat so bad. I want to eat that fucking teacup. I want to eat those balloon lollipops. I want to eat every Wonka candy bar that is in the movie. Well, yeah, there's a reason for that. Mel Stewart, the director, insisted on making this as realistic as possible. He wanted this to look like this was something that could happen in a real setting. So he made the candy. You know, there was an element of fantasy for sure, but it was also a very evident realism in this movie that makes it feel like, you know, Wonka's Chocolate Factory could be a place that exists in some yeah. European country or yeah, just some yeah. I'm sure it can. You know, the um the Museum of Ice Cream is I think the closest we can get to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory right now. Have you have you been there? I have not. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. They have like interactive exhibits and shit, like you can swim in sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> it that, that's just, I haven't been, that's all I know. Um I've I've been to the theme park, uh Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Mm. that's a you know it's the Hershey chocolate theme park they have a tour of the factory kind of thing where you can you end up in a gift shop that has every Hershey product ever ever produced nice and the whole place smells like chocolate and it's oh. fun it's a nice place but I I I seriously doubt Willy Wonka chocolate tastes like Hershey's chocolate this is gonna sound weird and I fucking hate when people say like oh sweet things hurt my teeth shut up but I don't know why but like Hershey's plain milk chocolate 
like burns my fucking mouth. Shit. I hate plain milk chocolate from Hershey's. I hate it so much. <laughs> well, damn. Okay. Um, you probably would not enjoy Hershey Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Wonka chocolate is this unattainable deliciousness that you can't even comprehend because it doesn't exist. Yeah. What is it about? Well, never mind. We'll continue. <laughs> um, <laughs> as I said in my opening, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is the first film I ever loved. My all-time favorite movie is Back to the Future, but my first favorite movie was Willy Wonka. I had this on tape. This was one of my first tapes. I would watch it all the time nice. as a kid. Whenever my family would go to a friend's house, they had Willy Wonka on tape, and I would go watch it in their bedroom while they my family partied. I would just watch Willy Wonka all the time. I, like I know all the songs by heart. I... Gene Wilder became one of my favorite actors. Like this movie means so much to me. And I just, I love it to death to this day. I have a, I've had the tape. I've had the DVD. I've had the Blu-ray. I've had the special edition Blu-ray and I've had the 4k, which is what I have now. Hell yeah. That's <laughs> cool. I love that. For me, it was definitely, it was the Tim Burton one. And then I I've seen, you know, I watched the, the, um, the original, but um, it wasn't until my dad bought tickets to go see Primus. And Primus is, is a rock band for those who don't know. They were on their they were doing a tour because they had just uh released an album where they covered all the songs from the original Willy Wonka movie, but like, you know, to be their own. And it's one of my favorite musical albums ever. Um and because of that album, I've watched Willy Wonka more. Yeah, and it's uh it's it like if I'm ever sick, I watch Willy Wonka. It's like my sick comfort movie. Weirdly, Willy Wonka was voted the best movie to watch when you're sick or when it's raining. That's crazy. It's always, it's always weirdly, I don't know why. It's always Willy Wonka, Back to the Future. And then have you ever seen the show The Colony? I have not. It is a reality show, but it's like a what if it takes Survivor, but put it in Los Angeles if the world ended. So it's like they live in a warehouse and pretend that it's like the apocalypse. That's so stupid. It is. That's why I watch it when I'm sick, because it makes me laugh. When I was a kid, I got Survivor and Lost mixed up. I did, too. My aunt recommended I watch Lost because she thought it'd be right up my alley. And I hated reality TV. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to watch it. And she told me about a smoke monster. And I'm trying to think, like, how would they do that? On a reality soundstage, like there's a smoke monster. How is that? Th and then later I found out, oh, no, that's a scripted sci-fi series that I probably would like. And I did like. <laughs> I actually have. I've never seen Survivor. Me neither. I don't I'm very proud of that. <laughs> uh, I got to see the um, musical Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Ooh. on the West End in London a few nice. years ago. And that was amazing. In the lobby, they had chocolate shit everywhere. They were like selling candies and stuff. And the play was so neat. It was, uh, you know, none of the songs in the movie, regrettably, are in the play except for Pure Imagination. Yeah. At the, at the end. And uh, when I saw that, it was right around the time Gene Wilder had passed away. Uh, I got really emotional listening to Pure Imagination on the stage. I was just like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> and it just. Oh, I had the same feeling when I saw the new Wonka and they, they played that song at the end of the movie. I love that song. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, the new one is really good. I don't know if I'd call it my favorite Wonka movie. 
I think it's still this one, but I think it might be the second. It's it's an easy second place for me. Yeah. Uh, um, I saw the Willy Wonka show also on Broadway. Oh, nice. But the theater that they did it in, they had it themed like a 1920s like soda fountain. So it was like 1920s candy, but none of it was Wonka themed, uh-huh. which pissed me off. And then also um, the imagine like I, I get what they were doing, but the imagination room scene, there was no set. It was like, oh, we're gonna imagine this room. So it's just them pantomiming on an empty stage. And I think it was the most boring fucking show of it. I wish I'd gone to the one in West End if it is the same one. But fuck, it was so annoying. That's weird, because mine, they were like testing it out for Broadway. So I I guess they nixed that because I I remember the imagination. Like I remember the chocolate room scene being like very yeah. elaborate. So I guess they cut down on production costs. I guess they did. I don't know. It was very bad, but <laughs> nothing will ever top Back to the Future the musical. In yeah, fucking that was amazing. I'm fucking jealous. They flew a fucking DeLorean over the crowd. That's crazy. That was that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. I I got super emotional. I was like, I'm surrounded by people who love this as much as I do. Watching something real. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. I had an epiphany moment of like, wow, this is. This is my whole life has led to this. It was, it was really weird. That's fucking great. I think. Um, I think. Oh, I always talk. I always talk about my my favorite musical was. Uh, it was right before I left home. My dad got tickets to go see a uh, uh, Sweeney Todd production, but it was the show was inside of like an abandoned pie shop in New York City, in Greenwich Village. Wow. And the guy and they 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 sold they sold pies and the guy that made them was like the ex chef of the White House. But it was crazy because they were like performing on it was it was a pie shop. So the whole show was like done on the tables in front of you. Wow. Damn. Yeah, it, was, it was tiny and it was it was pretty cool. I don't know if I could eat a meat pie while I'm watching Sweeney Todd. I don't know if I could do that. You ate before the show started. Like it wasn't like during, but <laughs> but still. <laughs> I know they're probably not serving me person, but it's gonna be all I'm thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. My question to you to start things out here. So over the years, uh there's been a bit of a change of feeling about this movie in regards to a certain character. Mm-hmm. And that would be Grandpa Joe. Yeah, there is now a a a turning of the tide against Grandpa Joe, with most fans of this movie now referring to him as basically the greatest movie villain in history, as a just scummy, freeloading, lazy piece of shit who completely abandons helping his family, but gets out of bed immediately for some free chocolate. (laughs) And I'm I'm curious, how do you feel about Grandpa Joe? Well, in the original movie, that not there even a scene where like the mom is handing him, you know, cabbage soup and he says like, oh, I'll get out of this bed at some point. And she's like, OK, do it. And he's like, I'll do it tomorrow. So like it, it's no secret that he's just being a lazy piece of shit. I've always known he's a lazy piece of shit, but he's not the greatest villain of all time. He's not fucking Scar. He's not Voldemort. The guy is just. The, the dude is like 60 years old. If he wants to lay in bed, let him lay in bed all day. 
Well, you yeah, know? but not when the family's making like pennies because of Charlie's paper route and mom's laundry. When there's another person in the house who can get out of bed and do something, and but instead is just laying there, is mooching. I get it. Yeah, I mean, is his dad like? His dad isn't even in the original movie. No, his dad's dead in the movie. Okay. Well, that's disappointing. I liked the tooth the toothpaste factory job. Um, he's not a fucking villain. He's an asshole. But also being able to work. I, I was just about to say being able to work and going to a tour of a chocolate factory is not the same thing. But my the dude does a whole dance sequence. Um. Yeah, no, Grandpa Joe's he fucking sucks. Yeah. And how like I I this is not the first time he's gotten out of bed cuz earlier he you know surprises Charlie with a candy bar in the middle of the night. It's like nobody knew about. How did he get that? He had to have gotten <laughs> out of bed, gone and bought the damn candy bar and come oh, back to bed. So he's fun. he's able to walk. This is all a smoke and mirror so he doesn't look like he can walk. He wants everyone to be surprised. That's fucking funny. You know, I I noticed just this time that it's Grandpa George and Grandma Georgina and Grandpa Joe and Grandma Josephine. I don't know how I never caught on until this time, but that made me laugh. Yeah, that's pure roll doll. He likes to do uh, mirror names. It's also, you know, lazy, but, you know, whatever. I'm not. I'm not a multi-million <laughs> selling author here. Um. This is the first time I realized Grandpa George doesn't have a single line in this movie. I think Georgina does either. It's just Joe and Josephine who say anything. No, I love, I love, I know you, you're, you're, um, you might do a Charlie Chuck Factory episode later, but I fucking love the, I love grapes. I do. One thing I do like about the remake is that they actually gave those characters a, some something to do. Yeah. I do respect that. Um, but I felt like, you know, that one needed an antagonist. Like we get, you know, the Slugworth fake out in this one, which I like, but also Willy Wonka is kind of the bad guy too. Yeah. Um, there isn't a villain in the book. No, the book's just a whimsical adventure about, you know, be a good kid and you might get a giant reward someday. Yeah, I will. Okay. So after I read the book for the episode, after reading it, it, the, the Johnny Depp one is 100% more book accurate, but the Gene Wilder one is the better movie in my opinion. Which is funny because Roald Dahl actually wrote the screenplay to this movie. Yeah, apparently he fucking hated it. Well, he didn't hate it. He just, he was difficult. He was a difficult man. But we'll talk about that when we get to production. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool that you read the book. I'm so happy you read the book. <laughs> I also read the book. So my question to you, um, I've realized every time I've asked you a question, it's always been weird and deep and, you know, fucking, you know, introspective. I'm not going to do that this time. My uh, my original question was, do you believe in luck? But I feel like that could be a really short conversation, yes or no. Um, but I I thought of one just now. Um, why do you think food and TV shows always look so good and better than the food that we have in real life? And why do I want to eat all of it? Well, A, no, I don't believe in luck. <laughs> B, has it specifically designed to look as tantalizing as possible? You can't eat any of that food. It's it's designed to look as appealing as humanly possible, and you want it because you know there is never a chance in hell you will ever get to have it. 
that's I why. think I know we're talking about Willy Wonka, which is like a very food centric movie. Mm-hmm. But my food, my go to food scene, any movie ever is the imagination scene in Hook. Ah, nice. I don't eat that. But also. Like not just the stuff in the factory. I want to eat every candy bar. Shown in the movie. I and. Um, and his cup. I want to eat the cup. <laughs> yeah, it's it's this is probably my my go to food movie for just. I've I've wanted a Wonka scrum diddly umptious bar my entire life. Yes. And I know I'll never get to have one. I want an everlasting gobstopper. Yeah. I, like I want to try uh, the weird little like moon pie looking Wonka bar, whatever that yes. is. Oh, the Whipple, the fudge Whipple, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> and if people say like, oh, but gobstoppers exist. No, no, no. I want the weird bumpy one that won't feel good in your mouth. Yeah. I want the candy that you can suck on forever and it will never get any smaller, even though that sounds like a whole, like a horror show. <laughs> yes. It's awful. <laughs> A jawbreaker that never stops. Uh, yeah, I, I want to try the magic Wonka candy. I don't want to just go get Nestle's Wonka candy from fucking yeah, the no. grocery store. No, that's that defeats the whole purpose. I don't even care if it's magic. Just the candy in the movie. Like in the opening credits, the chocolate on the conveyor belt. I want to fucking eat it. That I was want- all real chocolate. Oh my God, it looks so good. In the candy, um, the Candyman t- song. I want to fucking, I want to drink whatever the fuck those kids are drinking because it looks like pure, it's Kool-Aid. It's yellow Kool-Aid. <laughs> do you, I want, do you think that Bill, I believe his name is, uh, charged all those kids? Like, was he, no. did he pull up a bill after that and be like, all right, you had a handful of M&Ms, you had so, two Walker bars. I don't. I think he's just actually a good candy man. And what I think is funny is on this watch round, when it shows Charlie standing sadly in the window, I would just go in. He's giving out free candy. Go in. But then, see, I, I thought that too. But then later on, when Charlie goes to buy a chocolate bar and he starts eating it, what does Bill do? That's true. Pay up, kid. Pay up. Forest kid in town. Pay up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, food and movies is, you know, when we did that foodgasm thing for a while, mm. like, we analyzed that big time and just food looks more appealing in film because everything looks more appealing on film. It's a world that doesn't exist, yep. a world beyond your your comprehension, a world where things are amazing and luck pans out all the time and everyone wins when they do good things. It's a world that's completely <laughs> antithetical to what we have here. Absolutely. I'm trying to think of the ones I want. So I want to eat the food and hook. I want to drink the coffee from Monsters Inc. It's thick and gross, and I want to drink that. Um, the bubble gum from the Jimmy Neutron movie. I don't care that it, that it will form a giant bubble around me. I just want to know what it tasted like because I know it tasted very sour. And then um, uh, the fucking pizza in a Goofy movie. The Goofy movie pizza. Oh my lord! Yeah. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> a good one. Um, I've always wanted to try a Krabby Patty. Yes. Oh my God. Dude. That's been a big one for me. Um, the chocolate cake in Matilda. Oh, that's good. That's a, a slice, good though. Not the entire fucking thing. That kid died. There's no way. No way an eight year old oh. can eat 50 pounds of cake with mm. no repercussions. I think every. Anything in a Ghibli movie, I want to eat. 
Even like yeah. when they get like a glass of milk, it looks like the best glass of milk ever. Yeah, the Ghibli the Ghibli food looks looks amazing. Do you think food looks better in an animated film than it does in a live action film? Like just as a general thing. Yeah, but like in Hook, I want to eat that pie. In Willy Wonka, everything in there looks fucking delicious. But yeah, definitely, and it looks better in animated yeah. stuff for sure. Oh, I'm trying to think of like big food moments where I'm like, oh, I want to try that. Ah. Uh, yeah, the Goofy Movie Pizza is a big one. Oh, this is disgusting. Yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time, Treasure Planet. Mm-hmm. In the very beginning, all the food that the mom is like serving, the giant bowl of worms. I know it's worms, but fuck, I want to just, I want to eat a big, I don't know why. And then Dilbert's dog food. <laughs> it looks so good. Ah, uh, I want, I just had one. It was a good one. Ah, oh, shit. Well, I'm sure it wasn't that good. <laughs> or the, the the fucking fast food in Trek 2. <laughs> Briar's fat boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You know what always looked appealing to me? And this is kind of fucked up. <laughs> the gingerbread man. Yeah. Oh. With a big glass of milk when he's being tortured in the first one. Yes. Like, just eating that cookie straight up. Yes. Oh. <laughs> My God, dude. food and movies needs to chill because it's making me hungry would you i mean if you didn't i guess if you didn't know the consequences would you try the five course meal gum yeah absolutely all right what if you did know the consequences i mean i i don't want to be juiced so no i don't want (laughs) to be juiced like yeah no that's such a weird thing to say (laughs) i want to eat the this is weird fuck we're talking about things that are inedible that we want to eat now but i want to eat the foam that shot at the car that's fire extinguisher foam but okay i know i want to eat it and i also i don't that has nothing to do with the movie but you know that colorful aquarium gravel god i want to eat it (laughs) you've been tested for pica you might want to do that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. I, my whole life, because of this movie, I've always wanted to try double bubble burpicola, whatever the hell that is. Yeah. That, I want to eat whatever the fuck Mike TV ate that blew his teeth out. <laughs> the exploding candy. Yeah. I love how oh. casually he's like, you know, too, yeah, not powerful enough, needs more gel ignite. Like, Jesus, what are you trying to do to people? Yeah, it's exploding. It's exploding gum for your enemies. Like shit. <laughs> Everything. Every. I know there's no food in that scene, but it also still looks good. Like whatever the Veruca is like, sh- like whatever she's shoveling into her mouth, like that foam. I want to eat that. Whatever Wonka is like whipping in that bike. I want to eat that. Yeah, I I want to try like when Mrs. TV is like scooping cream out of the big mushroom i've always wanted i want to try oh god dude yeah that those weird i know they're just balloons but the weird giant lollipops i want to eat that i I do think the giant gummy bear like that that uh violet gets a hold of i want that yeah um i think the chocolate river in charlie and the chocolate factory looks better than willy wonka well in in charlie it was a CGI chocolate river and in the original yeah. it was brown murky water. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I want to eat Wonka's boat in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The big like, oh god, like, st- strawberry candy dragon boat. I want to eat that. Yeah. God, I want to eat that. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny is uh when I saw the um the Johnny Depp one, I guess I was too young to like understand English. So when Mike is like smashing, what is he? What is he smashing? Like those fruits. Yeah. Instead of like son, he was like dad. He said enjoy. I thought I thought I thought I was like well he has a point because enjoy means like to like the inside of something. I was fucking an idiot. I was small. I don't know. I I do like in the remake how Mike TV doesn't even like chocolate. He just cracked the system because he knew he could do it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you, you know, Veruca is actually a wart. It's a type of foot fungus. Did you know that? I did know that. <laughs> God, it's so funny. Ah, um, Yeah, we'll talk more about the remake later. Hint, hint. Um, oh, this was fun. Yeah, I, I love talking about it. It sucks knowing that this stuff, you know, A, isn't real and B, can't be made real like you can't make a Wonka bar that would be that appealing you can't do it no one can make an everlasting gobstopper it's 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 un, you know it's unfortunate yeah it is it's you know even if you eat like the like the the whipple one you the three musketeers that's not what it is it's no candy bar on, on earth tastes as good as a Wonka bar looks even even the candy he made in in Wonka yeah, looks good. It did. Although his like twenty year old chocolate that he's been carrying around probably isn't that tasty. Yeah, that's not good. That's gross. Ill. Yeah, Ill. You made all, you made all your friends sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, let's talk production. So, this film, Willy Wonka, began life as the novel Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl, which was first published in nineteen sixty four. It had a sequel, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, which has never been adapted to film. Uh, Dahl also wrote the screenplay for the film adaptation. Uh, I read this a long time ago in middle school. I followed it with with the Great Glass Elevator, which is one of the weirdest stories I have ever read in my life. I bought it when I when I went to Half Price Books to get uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It was like three bucks, and Great Glass Elevator was also three bucks, so I picked that up too. Thanks. I'm going to read that again. Basically, it involves. Charlie, Wonka, and Charlie's grandparents, all four of them, in the Great Glass Elevator fighting aliens on behalf of the president. Okay. Yeah. The vermicious <laughs> canids are aliens. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's very strange. Uh, so how did you like the book? It was good. Um, it was very much the, it was very much the Johnny Depp version. Um, I thought it was interesting that, like, there's no villain in it. Well, a lot of Doll's stories were more about life lessons than they were about yeah. traditional storytelling structure. He really you could tell if you've read more than one of his books, you could tell he really fucking hated kids and uh <laughs> liked them to get punished. Like he really had a problem with children. <laughs> yeah, uh fucking uh, in the book, Grandpa George is a fucking asshole. He's like because Charlie was like, damn, I, I want to get a golden ticket. And George's like, you're not getting a ticket. Well, yeah, I understand where he's coming from. He's like, he doesn't want his his grandson to yeah, have too much hope on something that's near impossible. And he could have handled it better. But I do love where he's like, you know, 
first kid who gets it's gonna be super fat and he's right <laughs> yeah so, like, I, <laughs> yeah um, i didn't realize that wonka's like little haunting uh soliloquy in the boat was in the book i was very surprised in to the see book, the oompa loompa songs are in the book and they're the ones from johnny depp which well the ones from the depp version very shortened they're very oh, yeah. elaborate in the book uh yeah yeah but yes I prefer um, the Oompa Loompa Doopa Dee Dee version. I think that's I better. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought would be in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Basically, there, were, there weren't a lot of changes from the Johnny Depp one. A lot of changes from this one. Um, Willy Wonka has a fucking goatee. <laughs> I love that Wonka in the book is is very... It's kind of a blend of Gene Wilder and... He is. Like... He he's a man child who's also just a very sarcastic nut job. Yeah, but I, it's weird because I I can kind of see where Timothy Chalamet will he could become this. Yeah, I could see him you know kind of losing hope for humanity and just deciding yeah. like fuck it I'm gonna screw with people from now on. Um, and I love his fucking hatred of Mike TV in the book. <laughs> he straight up just like shut up. Like just completely like I don't like this kid. Yeah. I, I love the little you know like you really shouldn't mumble and like you should open your mouth a little wider when you speak. Like all that's in the book. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that one thing I usually have a problem with with uh, and this really only comes into play with like books that I've read that are adapted to film is usually the pacing's kind of off. Like, they rush things along in, in movies, but I thought the pacing for Wonka, well, the first one, was just on point. Like, they had just the right amount of getting to know Charlie and the other kids before we got to the factory, and then just giving us as much as we need to know about Wonka right yeah. when we need it, when we got to know him. Yeah, because the, the book is really short. Um, you can read it, honestly, in, like, a couple hours, honestly. Yeah. It's a two, uh, it's it, like it, a hundred page kids novel. It's a quick one. Yeah. Um but it, it it's pretty much like you get to like page twenty and you're in the factory. Yeah. Quick. Mm-hmm. I I like it. It's a it's a good I'm glad I own it. It's something I'd actually I'd read it again. It's, it's a sweet it's a sweet story. Pun intended. <laughs> uh okay. So the film, hmm. how do you make a movie like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Well, my primary source for this episode is the 2002 book, Pure Imagination, The Making of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory by the film's director, Mel Stewart, and Entertainment Weekly contributor, Josh Young. And it's essentially a big uh, memoir about putting the film together, the set, filming, post-production, and the film's legacy. It's... uh like 120 pages, super quick read. I, I got this from my uncle who spent a good amount of time collecting films, uh, books about film history. And when he uh, moved, he downsized and I got a couple of his of his stuff. So nice. I'm very glad I ended up with this one because this, this helped me greatly for this episode. Uh, it all began when Mel Stewart's daughter came to him with the book that she had just read and asked him to make it into a movie with her uncle Dave. And Uncle Dave was film producer David L. Wolper. And I love that as a filmmaker, you know, you can have that happen. Like your kid can be cool and be like, hey, dad, make this into a movie. I know. That's so cool. Maybe hopefully one day, someday, you can be like, hey, can you make 
can we make this into a movie? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. If if you get clout and you do that, I'm I'm going to latch onto you like a parasite. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We're gonna make so much cool shit. <laughs> That's funny. I also like it happened in Harry Potter too. Like, hey, you should play Dumbledore. I don't want to fucking play that. And then his granddaughter is like, you better fucking play Dumbledore. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll play Dumbledore. Same thing happened in Lord of the Rings. Uh, really? Yeah. When uh, Stuart Townsend was cast as Aragorn, Peter Jackson realized you're too young for this and fired him before they started filming and reached out to Viggo Mortensen, who had like a day to make a decision. And his kids were like, they want you to play Aragorn. You need to do this. That's cool. Yeah. And thankfully, he said, yes, the rest was history. We got the greatest trilogy of films ever made. Mm. Uh, But in this case, yeah, Mel Stewart made a couple documentaries, uh, a really weird movie called something along the lines of if it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium. I think that was the name of the movie. I don't know what the hell that's about. (laughs) Uh, This is the movie he's known for. At the time when he went to Uncle Dave and was like, hey, Dave, you want to do something with this? Uncle Dave was speaking to the Quaker Oats Company about making a movie they could use to promote a new candy bar they were developing. So it was all kind of a good, perfect storm of of the right kind of ideas that happened at once. Interesting. Uh, Wolper was able to convince Quaker to buy the film rights to the novel and finance the movie with the sole purpose of promoting their upcoming Wonka bar. And this movie had no studio backing. This was financed entirely by a, by an oatmeal company. It's a crummy commercial. Yeah. To a candy bar. They never made. (sighs) They couldn't nail down the formula for a new chocolate bar. They abandoned the project. And now, this upcoming movie was the only chance they had at recouping their money with no product tie-in. So you're telling me that Wonka chocolate could could be could have been a thing. It was a thing briefly. Nestle uh, bought the name and, and released Wonka chocolates, Wonka gobstoppers, runts, nerds. All that was was Wonka candy for a while. Yeah, but Quaker couldn't nail down. They wanted to release a new kind of chocolate bar, and they simply couldn't because nobody wants an oatmeal chocolate bar, and. They just couldn't do it. So they said, shit, we already poured so much money into this movie. I really hope this works out. Otherwise, we just lost a lot of money. Uh, Like, that would never fucking happen these days. You could never, like, have a movie that has no Hollywood stake in it, but is made entirely by, like, Coca-Cola. I think Coca-Cola can make them. They're pretty fucking... They wouldn't... But it wouldn't be a good movie. Like, they wouldn't... No, yeah, I guess, I guess. The idea that this turned out to be one of the most iconic family films in history is really kind of incredible. You know, you know, that reminds me of you ever heard of a Walmart original movies? Yes. Yes, It's funny because everything in the movie is like great value brand. Well, yeah, of course. (laughs) They're all, they're all bad. But you know, voodoo, the service we use all the time for watching came out of Walmart. That was their, that was their streaming service. I did not know that. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think they sold it to Fandango, but at the yeah. time it was. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Quaker had a stake in this. Mel Stewart's going to direct it. David O. Wolper's going to pro- produce it. Uh, Roald Dahl was brought in to adapt his own novel to the screen, and uh, he was fairly agreeable, according to this book. But other sources have said he was just a nightmare. <laughs> so it really depends on you know, who he worked with, I guess. And it's Mel man color might be yeah. trying to be diplomatic. Uh, they went through three drafts before they had a shooting script. They ended up changing some stuff that he was initially upset about, but then he read through it and he's like, yeah, okay, these are good. 
No. He also rolled all this quick uh, sidetrack fun fact. He also wrote one of the James Bond movies. What? 1967, You Only Live Twice. Roald Dahl wrote does, that screenplay. Does a kid get punched in the face? No, but it's not very flattering to the Japanese. Oh, fuck. James Bond has to go undercover. Uh, he, he fakes his own death at the beginning of the movie to get out from under Spectre's radar. He hides out in Japan. They give him a bowl cut, black hair, and uh, some face paint to narrow his eyes a little bit, put him in a kimono, and he is suddenly Japanese. It's, it's a rough watch these days. Who, who plays which era of James Bond is this? That was Sean Connery. Oh, God. Yep. No. It's one of the best Bond movies. If you just if you if you ignore that part, we finally <laughs> meet Blofeld. It's played by Donald Pleasance. There's a great space scene. It's great music. It's a good it's a good movie, but it's got that unfortunate, really racist part. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So some things were changed from the book to screen. Um, instead of bringing both parents to the factory, the kids could only bring one. That was to cut down on actor costs and just have a smoother set and not have like twenty people in the factory scene every time that made sense. In fact, when I read that in the book, I'm like, this is weird. Why are they bring in both parents? Yeah. yeah. Um, Slugworth became a bigger character. He's just kind of mentioned in the book as well as a uh, fickle Gruber and Prodnose, who all make their appearances in Wonka 2023. Yep. Uh, Slugworth ends up being a very duplicitous character. who's actually a agent Wonka put in there to make sure everything went smoothly. I think I told you, my theory is Slugworth is the weird knife cart man outside of the factory. As the real Slugworth? Yeah. Yeah. He told me He's that. just gone insane because he just keeps fucking, he can't get over it. So he just stands outside of the factory waiting. I love that. I know, That's a great idea. I don't know why he has a cart of knives or what the fuck that guy is doing, but. Well, if it is Slugworth, he certainly can't sell chocolate anymore. <laughs> so you see. <laughs> He becomes a fucking infomercial. Fucking, I think he's waiting outside of Wonka's factory with a cart full of knives, waiting for the, the day Wonka <laughs> leaves the gates. He's going to take him out. So he's not selling the new slap job. <laughs> the slap job. <laughs> oh, I wanted that so bad. When I saw that like slap chop rap commercial, I was like, I want to get a slap chop. Oh, it's great. I love it. I love. I I, I love info infomercials. They're so funny. I love the people who are like, you know, aren't you tired of doing this perfectly reasonable, normal thing that nobody has any problems with? Well, try this. And it's the people in the black and white part who are so fucking incompetent. They can't do the most basic shit. I love this. <laughs> um, I think Slugworth is the best evidence that this whole thing is fixed. Yeah. Otherwise, how did he get to every single ticket holder even before they found their ticket? Like Veruca, like he was just hanging around the factory before that one lady found the ticket. Like he knew oh, that shit. was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. It could, but in the book, there wasn't a, a test. He just wanted like to give him a tour and then was like, I guess I'll pick my favorite. Yeah. In the book, he's like the kid who pissed me off the least gets the, gets the factory <laughs> yeah. in the book he's not okay in the book snowpiercer is not a sequel but in the movie snowpiercer is because in the book the kids get away fine they're all fucked up and they all are resolved of like the sins that they represent if you want to read 
deep into it. In the movie, they're fucking dead. Okay. Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka is a child murderer. Yes. Nobody ever goes in. Nobody ever comes out. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they don't exactly end up, you know, I mean, they're alive, but what kind of life? I mean, Veruca's, you know, covered in garbage, but like Augustus is made of chocolate. Violet's blue and Mike TV is slender man. So it's not exactly <laughs> the best outcome for these kids. Uh, I don't know if alive is the word I'd use. Uh, yeah. So Slugworth became a bigger character. Um, the fizzy lifting drink scene was added. They're just mentioned in the book, but shifty old grandpa Joe says, Hey, let's break the rules in this magic chocolate factory. Nothing bad could happen. Come on. Even though they'd already witnessed two kids suffer some pretty horrific <laughs> possible deaths yeah but charlie is i think i think i said this before i don't like charlie in the original one he's a fucking asshole <laughs> okay elaborate okay so he for so he's an asshole and also the moral of the story of that one is he finds the golden ticket while being selfish in the book, he gets it because like his family's about to die of starvation. So he's like, I got to go buy a chocolate bar for everyone to share. And that's when he finds the ticket. In the movie, he just buys one for himself. And that's when he finds the ticket. Well, to be fair, he did say, I'll buy one for Grandpa Joe. And then he just didn't. And then he found out the ticket, the other ticket was fake. And he's like, well, maybe. So he wasn't entirely selfish. He was going to repay his, his grandfather for that surprise chocolate bar he got. him. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think Charlie's just so innocent in the 70s one that he's like impossible to relate to. The kid's just so pure. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That he, he definitely is. I, I like, uh, I almost said Freddie Highmore. Is that who it is? Yeah. In the, in the, in the, yeah. the 05 one. Yeah. I, I like his Charlie more. There are some things I do like about the remake. Yeah. I do too. But, you know, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. Fuck, I'm sorry. Are you talking about <laughs> um, Instead of Veruca being attacked by squirrels, she goes down a garbage chute surrounded by giant geese, and that was because the budget on this film did not allot for a fuck ton of squirrels. Giant squirrels. Yeah. So they just decided the educated educator, as Grandpa Joe said. And uh, I love that sequence. Just Oh, yeah. Just walk up. There's going to be a lot of garbage today. <laughs> just, it's It's perfect. I love when he's like, uh, he's like, but it's not even anywhere near Easter. And he's like, shut the fuck up. They don't know that. <laughs> yeah, that I can't wait to get to the to the nitty gritty on this one. I I, I wrote down so much. Oh yeah. Uh, the title was. I found this fascinating. The title was changed. You know, the novel Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the movie Willy Wonka. Uh, Mel Stewart defends the title change by saying that. He wanted people to be able to tell him, like, oh, I went and saw Willy Wonka, so he could know what they're saying. Saying, I went and saw Charlie. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> he wanted the movie to have shorthand. That's, uh, funny. <laughs> that's what he says, but that's what that's not what happened. No. The title was changed partially because African-American rights groups were upset by the depiction of the Oompa Loompas in the book as African pygmies. There was an undercurrent of African slavery going on there, so Stewart gave the Oompa Loompas the now iconic orange face and green hair, and the groups also argued that Charlie was an African-American expression for a white man in power. Uh, and it didn't help that the term Charlie was also a slang term that the military called the Viet Cong, because Vietnam was happening around this time, too. 
So they decided, let's get Charlie off the marquee, call the movie Willy Wonka. Huh, okay. And yeah, the book, the uh, the Oompa Loompas are pretty rough in the book. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I don't, they, it, in the book, they don't have, I don't think, it never says they have green hair and or, no. they're not orange. It, what we read is the reprint that's been, you know, reprinted for modern readers, but the original. Oh, What? Yeah, the original release of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the the Oompa Loompas are African pygmies that Wonka basically took from Africa. Ooh, yikes. They were black. They were drawn as black. Like it was it was bad. So they had to change that shit. You know what's cool? It's kind of a side note here. Um so I I I read the book. I downloaded the PDF. I listened to the first half and I read the last half because I was out doing stuff. Um, and guess who did the audiobook? Who? The guy from fucking Monty Python. The guy that plays uh uh Sir Cam- uh fuck, what's his name? Sir Camelot? No. Sir Camelot. <laughs> fuck me. The guy, Sir uh, King Ar- King Arthur? Graham Chapman? Yeah, I or, think so. Fuck. Was it Lance, was it John Cleese? John Cleese, yes. That's awesome. I love that Cleese did that. I also love that you said Sir Camelot. That's that's <laughs> But I'm. I was listening to it and I was like, "Why does this guy sound fucking familiar?" And I looked it up and I was like, "Oh shit, this is a guy from fucking Monty Python." It's cool. That's, that's fantastic. You know, a, a couple of years ago, Andy Serkis did a audio book of the uh, the Hobbit where he did the Gollum voice for Gollum and like did a whole. He did voices for all that's the characters. Cool. I would love to hear that. That's cool. I like that. Um, before casting Gene Wilder, Broadway actor Joel Gray was considered for Willy Wonka. He later played the Master of Ceremonies in Cabaret, which was the film immediately shot at. Uh, it was shot immediately after Willy Wonka, on the same set. So oh, kind of funny that that happened. Uh, he ended up being turned down due to his short height and non-threatening personality. For Wonka, <laughs> they wanted someone who was fairly tall, who could be trustworthy and completely unhinged at the same time. That's like, funny. You had to believe this guy would. Protect you or let you die. That's <laughs> funny. And you don't know which is which till it happens to you. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And then when Wilder walked into the room, Stewart knew they'd found their guy. In fact, after his audition, he ran after Gene Wilder and told him, you got the part. I don't care who else we see. You're really Wonka. And Wolper, <laughs> why the hell did you do that? You took away all our bargaining power. <laughs> That's great. Um. Wilder had one condition, and it's pretty damn specific. Hmm. If he if if they'd said no to this, he said he wasn't going to do it. He said, "Quote: When I make my first entrance, I'd like to come out of the door carrying a cane and then walk toward the crowd with a limp. After the crowd sees Willy Wonka as a cripple, they all whisper to themselves and then become deathly quiet. As I walk toward them, my cane sinks into one of the cobblestones I'm walking on and stands straight up by itself." but I keep on walking until I realize that I no longer have my cane. I start to fall forward, and just before I hit the ground, I do a beautiful forward somersault and bounce back up to great applause. And that made it into the movie. It's the, my, the iconic you know, first scene with Lily Wonka. And Mel Stewart asked the question anybody would ask after hearing that. What do you want to do that for? <laughs> and Gene Wilder said, from that time on, no one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth. And he wow. he understood uh, the character immediately. This, yeah, he probably understood the character better than anyone. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking genius. And it worked. 
Because the second you see Wonka do that, you're like, I don't know what this guy's capable of or who he really is or what he's going to do. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Yeah. It's a good scene, too. Didn't the actors didn't know that he was going to do that? The kids didn't know. Yeah. They were all like, That's Wonka. And they were all kind of like, Ah. And then he did the somersault. And they were like, Ah. <laughs> yeah. Mel Stewart kept the kids from a lot of stuff because he wanted to capture their first reactions genuinely. Like when they enter the chocolate room for the first time, nobody had seen that set yet. They built it in complete secrecy and filmed the kids and parents having their first reactions to seeing it. So in the film, when they all see the chocolate room for the first time, that is the actor's legit reactions to seeing that set for the first time. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. I love that shit. Um, Gene Stapleton turned down the role of Mrs. TV in order to take the role of Edith Bunker on the new sitcom All in the Family. So she had she had to choose between those two projects and she chose All in the Family and that was the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> um, child actors Peter Ostrom, Julie Dawn Cole, Denise Nickerson, Paris Themen, and Michael Bolner were cast as the kids and none of them ever did anything of note again. This is yeah. great, great claim to fame. I saw... Um... <sighs> I, I guess that's a good thing, though, because like being a child actor is rough. So, you know, better to get away from it before it hits you in the face. I know that Peter Ostrom, Charlie, uh, became a teacher. Uh, yep. Julie Don Cole became a fitness instructor. Paris Themen. I don't know what happened to him or Denise Nickerson. I think she she died a few years ago. And uh, Michael Bolner became an accountant and was completely unaware that he was famous. Like no. he didn't know that this movie took off. Like he did a weird chocolate movie when he was a kid, became an accountant, lived in Germany his whole life, and then one day was invited to like a reunion and was like, What? That movie is popular? And everyone had to tell him that <laughs> he was Augustus Bloop and everybody loved his movie. So that's kind of neat. <laughs> oh. That's great. Imagine like one day he literally woke up and realized he was famous. <laughs> yeah. And then they all, you know, they they did a reunion. They did some tours, some signings and stuff. Uh, Alamo Drafthouse does a occasional like anniversary movie party where they'll bring in a couple of the actors to do a and I did it once. It was really cool. Yep. Uh, Julie Don Cole and Paris Themen were there dressed as their characters and did a and a and watched the movie and signed posters and stuff. I have a signed poster from them. That was fun. Uh, That's great. Yeah. I love stuff like that. Now, did you know this movie has one has one more escaped Nazi than I'm comfortable with? Wait, what? Oh yeah, check this shit out. So the scene where the uh, the final ticket is found and the phone the you know it's a phony and the guy in Paraguay does the news newsreel saying you know the final ticket has been found right here and this is a photo of the lucky winner. The photo is Martin Bormann, Adolf Hitler's closest aide who escaped to Paraguay at the end of World War II. It was a that's, joke Mel Stewart put in there, but no, nobody recognized Bormann, so nobody got the joke. That's funny. The idea that's was that, like an escaped Nazi in living Paraguay was was hip to this contest and wanted to see the factory, so he made a fake ticket. That's fucking funny. And that fits in perfectly with like the way that this movie portrays everyone looking for the ticket yeah i love that i love the inner the, the little scenes with people just 
losing their minds over the contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one that they filmed but didn't make it to the final reel because it was cut for time. But it was this guy trekking across the um, the Himalayas to talk to a guru. And he, <laughs> he, he goes to the guru. He's like, guru, what is the meaning of life? And the guru is like, did you bring payment? And the guy pulls out a Wonka bar and hands it to the guru. And the guru opens it and there's no ticket. And he goes, life is a disappointment. <laughs> I think that would have been great. I wish they'd kept that. That's great. <laughs> I love the, uh, it's like, it's like, you know, I'll give them anything for them to give my husband back with the ransom. And it's like, okay, they want a case of, of Wonka bars. And she's like, can I have the night to think about it? <laughs> my favorite one is easily the guy who creates artificial intelligence and just glosses over it. <laughs> yeah. I what would a computer do with a lifetime supply of chocolate? <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, those little scenes are, are just great. They really make this feel like a global situation. <laughs> Your majesty. <laughs> I love the therapist, like the guy who's like, you know, the archangel whispered into my ear and told me where to find a ticket. And the guy's like, well, what do he say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. I think that's that's kind of what the 05 one was missing was that kind of yeah. global scale thing. And considering how like vastly different the budgets were, it's kind of weird that the original with like a micro budget handled that way better than the, the remake did. Yeah, I think it was... um. The older one, it definitely has a different kind of humor. Like it's definitely a drier sense of humor. Yeah. It's almost like a British humor. It it does, yeah. It has like a Monty Python feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um the film did not perform well. Mm-mm. It only grossed four million on a budget of three million. So Quaker Oats really didn't get much out of this. Uh it ended up becoming a cult classic due to its overwhelming popularity once it reached uh, television and later when it hit VHS. So this is a film that became popular because more people just discovered it along the way. And it's now considered one of the most iconic family films ever made and a favorite to so many, including myself. Yeah. That's so cool. I love the films that, you know, that keep trying the films that aren't hits right out the gate, but stay around long enough for people to recognize their full potential. Those are the best movies. Yeah. I didn't realize, um, a Christmas Story is also one of those. It failed. Um, I've actually found that out when I was moving to New York City. Um, we stopped at the house that I was. Uh, it's not. It's not where it was filmed. I don't think, but it's the house that it was based off of, and the inside is is, is basically their house from the movie. It's great. I sat on the toilet with the Dakota ring in my hand. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, um, it's it cool. Yeah. Do they have a lamp? Yep, they had a lamp in the window, of course. Um, my mom, they had a photo up, uh, she put a bowling ball. It, it, it's a, it, it like styrofoam, but it was a bowling ball that you could like drop on my dad's crotch. It was pretty funny. <laughs> That's cute. I, yeah, I love that. Uh, the first episode we did for the reboot here was the thing that had the same trajectory. That movie tanked when yeah. it came out, but people discovered it along the way and it grew to become an iconic piece of American film history. Yeah. I finally watched it. <laughs> Wasn't it something fucking special? It was definitely fucking special. Yeah. My God. It was really good. Yeah. I love the the best films are the ones that have legs, the ones that have longevity that stick around for multiple generations to yeah. know, embrace and just enjoy. I, 
I have no idea what happened in the end. I don't know, like, if if one of them is the thing, if none of them are the thing. The only person on Earth who knows that is John Carpenter, and he ain't saying shit. He doesn't know. He does. He said on multiple interviews, like, I know exactly who's the thing, but I'm not telling you. No, he, he wrote it when he like when they wrote it, like he figured out like exactly who it was and decided to to film it his way, knowing in his head who who is the thing. And he's going to keep that. He's going to take that to the grave. Hmm. I respect that so much. Interesting. <laughs> uh, Willy Wonka has an IMDb score of 7.8 Rotten Tomatoes score of 92 percent audience score of 87 percent. Critics' consensus reads, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is strange yet comforting, full of narrative detours that don't always work but express the film's uniqueness. I love that. It is very, it's weird, it's comforting, it's scary, it's off-putting, but it's it's comfort food. Narrative details that don't make sense, where? It's a tour of a chocolate factory. Where, 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 where are the detours that don't need to be there? Well, narrative detours don't always work. Not that doesn't oh, make okay. sense. Sometimes it's like, well, that was an odd choice. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, the film was nominated for one Oscar at the 44th Academy Awards for Best Original Score, which it lost to Fiddler on the Roof. Which I get. But Fiddler on the Roof soundtrack fucking slaps. I'm not going to lie. Dude, If I Was a Rich Man is a fucking banger. Yeah, it is. Like, Fiddler on the Roof is great. This is this is awful, um, but me and my brother just started playing Payday, which is like a multiplayer heist game. And the entire time we're robbing the bank, we kept singing <laughs> If I Was a Rich Man. <laughs> awesome. One of my favorite uh, behind-the-scenes videos is from Spider-Man 2. Um, Alfred Molina, who plays Doc Ock, his next project was he was going to play Tevya on, on the stage. <laughs> so he's rehearsing Tevya throughout the entire behind the scenes like so he's in full Doc Ock costume singing if I was a rich man and it's fucking awesome <laughs> he's got the tentacles and everything and he's singing That's Tevya brilliant. I love that <laughs> uh, but Wonka should have been up for so much more production design yeah. original song you know golden yeah. ticket or pure imagination one of those should have been up for song absolutely makeup like best actor yeah but Wilder for best actor I'll, I'll swing for that sure Adapted screenplay, like, yeah, this, this got shut out. What did um, what ended up winning that year? Best picture. That was the French Connection, which okay. is a solid movie. It, Wonka didn't have a it didn't have a chance at best picture. No, no. Mm. yeah, it was a good year that year for for the Oscars. A lot of cool stuff. So the Last Picture Show, A Clockwork Orange, yeah, Hitler on the oh, Roof. Oh shit! Damn. Oh yeah, it's not the same year. Yeah, seventy one oh. was an interesting year for film. Fuck, dude! I just watched that for the first time um, a couple of months ago, and that movie fucked me up, dude. It's an acquired taste. It takes a few viewings to realize, like, like to convince yourself you're not psychotic for enjoying it. It takes a couple of viewings. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I um, I don't know if I'm gonna have to watch it again. I think for any. You are, yeah. Fuck that. Fuck. I don't want. I don't want to watch that again. So it's okay to have a little bit of the old ultra violence once in a while. Oh my god, dude. me and my droogs. It's gonna be fun. 
Uh, the film was remade in 2005 by Tim Burton with the original title of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And there was a successful prequel from Paul King just called Wonka that came out last month that was a huge success and met with critical and fan acclaim. So the Wonka legacy is 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 intact. It's in a safe, it's in safe hands. We've had, I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, I'll say three good to decent movies. What if they like continued Wonka with Paul King at the helm and they did... You know, they did a Willy Wonka with Timothy Chalamet. I mm, I don't know about that. I mean, and then and then the third movie is Glass Elevator. I I think there's something in the Doll Estate where like they can't make the Great Glass Elevator. Does anyone want to? <laughs> I don't. Wonka in space sounds insane. I don't know why he yeah. wrote that, but I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know how I'd feel about just doing another remake of Willy Wonka. But... Yeah, they don't need to. They don't need to. I heard a theory once that Willy Wonka is the doctor. He's a reincarnation of the doctor. And that's fucking funny. That's because he has magic and he dresses weird. Yeah, 100%. But was it? it's, it's him. The doctor is Willy Wonka. And the doctor is also Sherlock Holmes. And is also... Uh... There was another person. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins, yeah. Mm -hmm. I buy that one. I don't know about Holmes and Wonka, but Mary <laughs> Poppins is a Time Lord 100%. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I was going to... Nah, never mind. I forgot. <laughs> um, Let's talk about the film itself. Oh, yeah, I remember what I was going to say. Good. Um, I saw a chart a while back that was, if Doctor Who had been made in America, who would have played each Doctor? Oh, and that was really cool. Gene Wilder was the fourth doctor. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, I think Jeff Goldblum was like the, the sixth or seventh doctor. That's funny. Yeah. Who was, who is, who was who 10, 11? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I know one of them was Harrison Ford. I don't remember who that was. He's probably though. five. He's probably the fifth one. Possibly. Yeah. But it was a neat, neat thing. It was a neat thing to consider. Hmm. Uh, which doctor is the one that was like actually insane? Like a like schizophrenia or something? Was that six? I I think six was kind of a rough, slightly evil doctor. Like he Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of the classic Who, but I've heard, I know that fans had problems with with Colin Baker with the sixth doctor because the Oof. he was portrayed as kind of a, a kind of a nut. Oh shit. Oh yeah. I mean, he's since been kind of reclaimed, you know, Colin Baker. They all like nobody stays away from Doctor Who. Yeah. New season starts up in a couple months. I'm really excited. Who's playing? Oh, that's right. That's right. Sh I remember. Shooty Gawa. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do categories. Best scene, best performance, best music moment, best line. Where do you want to start? Um, let's do line because I have a line pulled up right now. Okay. Um, it's from, uh, I found out the knife guy, what he's credited as, and it's the Tinker, which no, he's not. It's knife cart salesman. What, what pray tell is a Tinker? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Whenever I hear Tinker, I don't know why, but I think of the bar, the borrowers. Remember? I've never actually seen the borrowers. No, it's okay. You don't need to watch it. It's a roll doll. Is it roll doll? I think it is. Yeah. I think that's where human bean came from. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it's from the Tinker. It's uh, when he's talking to Charlie, and he says it's a it's a quote from a poem. 
He says, up the airy mountain, down the rushy glen, we daren't go hunting for fear of little men. You see, nobody ever goes in and nobody ever comes out. Why the fuck are you talking to a child? And what are you talking about? What are you doing? Who I are always, you? I always assumed he was warning Charlie about the Oompa Loompas. He was, but like, why are you warning him? I don't, I don't know. Maybe he just assumed all children are assholes and Oompa Loompas, they enjoy mocking asshole children as we learn. I don't know. That whole scene never fucking made any sense to me. Like, who is this I'm guy? I'm not going to lie. He never comes back again. He's no. never brought up again. He's just scaring Charlie. That scene scared me as a kid. <laughs> like, this movie is like has so much potential to turn into a really freaky horror movie. Yeah. The two movies that scared me as a kid that had no business was Willy Wonka and the uh, animated Alice in Wonderland. Oh. Interesting. Mine was Evolution and Signs, which was a horror movie, but still a PG-13. You'd think an eight-year-old could handle it, what kind of horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny what triggers us as children, isn't it? You yeah. Never you never know what's going to suddenly awaken some primal fear in the back of your head until it already is happening. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Tinker scene is so bizarre. Um, I have so much here. Uh, I'll start with uh when Augustus falls in the river, and his mom's like, you know, do something, and he just goes, "Help, police, murder, help, police, murder." Doesn't care God, at so all. <laughs> no, he doesn't care. But like, here's a question: Why doesn't he? Well, let's talk. Why doesn't he care? Because. He he recognizes from the get-go, as soon as they go through the gate, that these kids are assholes. He gets that. But is he evil? Like, is, is he actually psychotic? I don't think he's evil. I think he's just fed up. I mean, he's already, you know, he, he's already locked himself off from humanity because people kept stealing his work. So he he's done with, with assholes, with idiots. He doesn't like dealing with morons, so he just lets them screw themselves. Like, he doesn't do anything to them at all. They do it to themselves every time. Yes, so he's just <sighs> watching morons reap their the consequences of their actions. And I get that. I'd probably do exactly the same thing. I want to see an OSHA certified Wonka chocolate factory. I read <laughs> a, a, I, a, did you ever watch the MatPat video where like the reason Wonka did the factory was so he could find someone to become the new CEO. So he's absolved of all OSHA violations and responsibilities. No. I didn't know, but did you hear that fucking Matt Pat's leaving YouTube? Yeah, yeah. That's that. fucking sad, but I get it. Yeah. A lot of those, you know, YouTube's changing. The landscape's, you know, different. And yeah, I don't like it. I have a IMDB uh, quotes pulled up, and I just saw one. I'm going to save it for you because I know you're going to talk about it. <laughs> because it's, uh, you've told me you wanted to say it as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me laugh. Oh, um, yeah. I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like uh, when Mr. Salt walks up to Wonka and he's like, "Wonka, butterscotch, butter gin, and got a little something going on the side." And Wonka's like, "Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker." What does that mean, man? Are you are you selling liquor out of the back? One of my favorite things he says to Mr. Salt is when uh, 
he's talking about the Oompa Loompas and he says, you know, the, I had to save them from the snozwangers and the wang doodles and the vermicious canids. And so it's like, what kind of rubbish is that? And Walker just goes, I'm sorry, all questions must be submitted in writing. <laughs> if you have any questions, dial information. Thank you for calling. He's nuts. <laughs> um, well, I got another one. Another Mr. Salt Wonka interaction. When they're in the little room before they go into the chocolate room and they're all kind of freaked out by the way this place is laid out and Salt just goes, what is this? Some kind of fun house. And Wonka goes, why? Having fun? <laughs> I can't tell if he's being sarcastic or genuine. <laughs> Oh my god. <clears throat> um I like when uh Grandpa Joe confronts Willie about Charlie not winning. Um and it's it's, it's kind of a long dialogue. I won't say the whole thing because he <laughs> starts talking Latin. <laughs> but he says he's like wrong sir, wrong. Under section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall be become a null and void if and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, I the undersigned shall forfeit all rights, privileges and licenses herein and herein contained etc cetera, etc cetera. facts mentis. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to keep going because he I thought you were going to go for it. I was really impressed. Fuck it, I'll do it. etc etc facts mentis insidium Gloria cultum, etc., etc. Mono B oh, fuck me. Memo bis punitor delicatum. And the yeah, it's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Oh, dude, I say that like you get nothing. I say that all the time. That yeah. and wrong, sir. Wrong. I do that all the time. <laughs> yep. My favorite bit, like a while back, there was a big, like multi-billion dollar lottery. Like Powerball was a huge number. And when the numbers were drawn, somebody posted on Facebook, Wonka just going, you get nothing. nothing. You lose. And I just, I, I saved that because I was laughing so hard. Speaking of contracts, just uh, you should always read all contracts, even the terms of service for your iPhone updates, because did you hear about the man who won a lot of money because he read the terms of service? No. Yep. They said in their terms of service for one of their random updates, if you read this and give proof that you read this, we will send you money. Are you fucking serious? I don't know if it's true, but yes. You ever see that South Park episode where Kyle didn't read the terms of service of his new iPhone and got turned into a human centipede? No. And they were like, you you said we could do this. You said you clicked agree. <laughs> um, I haven't seen that, but um I had to play this game. It's uh explain a movie plot very badly and try to get it. And one of them was a small town doctor brings three people very close together. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh my god, that's fantastic. Uh speaking of contracts. I've always wondered what frippery was in the in the contract in this movie, you know, and frippery is showy or unnecessary ornament in architecture, dress or language. So basically it's just dressing up. It's, it's churching something <laughs> up to make it look unnecessarily better. So don't know frippery in Wonka's Chocolate Factory. <laughs> I love that. 
Um, beautiful. Yeah, I, that's one of my favorite bits. And he does. He's a little harsh, I think. <laughs> like, yeah, Jesus. absolutely. <laughs> but also, I get it. They mm. stole fizzy lifting drinks. He's thinking, you know, he's like in that. I'm thinking like I. He's basically saying to Charlie, "I had such high hopes for you." Yeah. But then he gives back the gobstopper, and Log is like, "Yep." Well, because I I don't think he lost there. No, that was a test. It was. I think. Will you still do? Will you? Will you still do? He's like, you succeeded this far. You know, you've done the right thing when doing the right thing is the right thing to do for you. But will you still do the right thing even when I've basically fucked you over? And to be perfectly honest, he's screaming at Grandpa Joe. He's not screaming at Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Which is true. That was Grandpa Joe's fuck up was the fizzy lifting drink. You can't blame an eight year old kid for listening to his grandfather. Yeah, I know. Grandpa Joe deserves it. Yeah, he should have been chopped up by the fan. That might be a bit much. <laughs> um, all right, yeah. My probably my favorite line from this movie is from the teacher, Mister Turkentine. This this part was so meaningless in the original script, but then they brought this dude in who just put a spin on this character and made him one of the most enjoyable parts of the movie. This wild <laughs> math science teacher who just says the most ridiculous shit, and he says halfway through the movie. I've just decided to switch our Friday schedule to Monday, which means that the test we take each Friday on what we learn during the week will now take place on Monday before we've learned it. But since today is Tuesday, it doesn't matter in the slightest. <laughs> oh, man. During my brief tenure as a teacher, I really wanted to break that quote out, but circumstances uh, did not allow me to get that far. Yeah. One day. Oh, no. Fuck that. <laughs> um... There's a lot of really, really good quotes. Um, Like at one point he says, uh, oh, you should never, never doubt what nobody is sure about. Like that's so fucking, he says it like offhand. I think he says it to Veruca, I think. Yeah. A lot of Wonka's random quotes are from literature or philosophers or just, yeah. Like we are the music makers. We are the dreamers of the dreams. Dude, I love that quote so much. Some ominous shit to say to a kid whose mouth you're holding. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I like when they're all crammed in that tiny, tiny room and everyone's screaming. And he says, it's a it's a quote from Romeo and Juliet. And he says, is it my soul that calls upon my name? That's like, what are you? I love Mrs. TV just going, there's someone touching me. Like in the super crowded room. Like, yeah, no shit, lady. Mm. Uh, one of my favorites is when they're boarding the boat. The boat, which has... Uh, no extra seats for Augustus and his mom, by the way. Um, Oof. Yeah, creepy. Wonka knew this was going to happen. Um, when they're all getting on the boat, and he goes, nothing to worry about. I take good care of all my guests. And Mr. Borgar goes, oh yeah, he took real good care of that August kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the shifty car salesman who just is... Oh yeah. I love that guy. Another good quote from the teacher. Uh, it's when. Um, what is he making? Oh, he's making a, a wart remover. Yeah, with like nitroglycerin, like, which is crazy. <laughs> and he says, do you know what happens when I mix these together? And Charlie's like, no. And the quote is, of course you don't know. You don't know because only I know. If you knew and I didn't know, then you'd be teaching me instead of me teaching you. And for a student to be teaching his teacher is presumptuous and rude. Do I make myself clear? <laughs> 
this guy. I love the whole like you know class dismissed, class undismissed, class free dismissed. <laughs> I love this guy. Who? <gasps> the whole like percentage thing that he's like teaching yeah. in the complex way possible. <laughs> oh. What do you mean you only open two? Oh. Two's too complicated. I'll do 200. <laughs> the teacher. Um, one weird line I always liked from Wonka was, uh, if the good Lord had intended us to walk, he wouldn't have invented roller yeah. skates. Like, no, no, <laughs> um, it's another one. Um, it's actually Willy Wonka quoting Roald Dahl himself. Um, basically, uh, I think uh, it's Veruca's dad. And she's like, he's like, he's like, all this is like weird. I think they're in the, in the invent, excuse me, in the inventing room. And he's like, oh, this is like all weird. And he says, a little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest men. To quote a, from Roald Dahl. That's a doll quote. I didn't know that. That's, yeah. that's awesome. I love that he sings it to him. Yeah. <laughs> He he seems to target Mr. Salt specifically to, to mess with more than anybody. He target fuck man. I wish his feud with Mike TV was in the original one. You should open your mouth a little wider when you speak. <laughs> Mylar. <laughs> yeah, I mean he gets he, he gets hit, he gets it over Mike big time in this one. You know, obviously Mike's an idiot. Um. Who do you think of the of the four kids who, you know, screw up? Who gets who do you think gets it the worst? Um, Violet gets juiced, man. It, it's her. <laughs> Mike gets stretched into fucking flat Stanley. That's fair. I mean, he's got to walk around as an eight foot tall, like cardboard cutout for the rest of his life. <laughs> That's fair. I think that's worse than being. I will say, like in in the moment, (laughs) Augustus probably thought he was dying. Like he he like he probably couldn't breathe. He was literally drowning in chocolate. I always assumed Augustus like was turned into chocolate. Like I think wasn't he? It's implied in the book and in the remake that he was like, you know, he may be altered quite a bit. Like he's chocolate. (laughs) He's not you. He's not human. He's going to eat himself to death that night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not it has nothing to do with this. There is a book really good um, called Everlost. It's about what happens to kids when they die, like um, like before they go to heaven. It's like because since they're kids, they stay in limbo. They're ghosts. And um, one of the main characters, his name is Nick. And when he dies, he has melted chocolate on his hand because he's he's in he's in the back of a car and he's eating a chocolate bar. It's melting. He has chocolate on his hands and um when he dies the chocolate's still on his hand but because he's in limbo i don't remember the the reasoning why but the chocolate is spreading and he's slowly becoming chocolate and at the end of the book he i'm not gonna i don't want to spoil anything because it really is so good you should read it um he becomes like the chocolate ogre and he's like against the mm, he's like there's like two sides of people and he joins another he, he the seemingly bad guys which is really cool that's weird. Interesting. I'll put that on my list. I always read of I read a really disturbing theory that Peter Pan is like a shepherd of dead children. Yeah. Like he takes kids who are, you know, Neverland is essentially purgatory. 
Well, yeah, I mean, all the kids are dressed like they're from different eras. Yeah, Peter Pan is the angel of death. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's disturbing. But because I love Hook so much, I try to fit Hook into the canon of Peter Pan, so they wouldn't make sense for me to believe that. But Hook I, isn't. Hook is the best version of Peter Pan ever put to film. No one's absolutely. ever changed my mind on that. I no, love it that absolutely movie. is. I think uh, we, we did an episode. Yeah, we, we did an episode on Hook. I, I think I mentioned I wrote for fun a whole like analysis of the movie and why Hook is the main character, not Peter Pan. I love that. And one day we're going to redo that episode in the new format and we're going to talk about this again. God, I, I fucking love that movie so much. Me too. I I don't like people call it Spielberg's worst movie, and I think they can go straight to hell. I think mm, I was about to say it's his best, but I would get a lot of shit for that. It's not his best, but it is a great movie. Yeah. Fuck. What did I just watch? What's something? Oh, I just watched Private Ryan. I, I haven't seen that. That was really good. That is amazing. I usually don't like war movies, but fuck, that was good. For me, like Spielberg's masterpiece is a constant toss up between Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Really depends on the day. Right. Speaking of Raiders, I know we're going way off topic. You see the new uh, game? Yeah. Um. I don't know. There's never been a good Indiana Jones game. I'm not holding my breath on this one. Have you played any of the Wolfenstein? I played one of them. Yeah. Like the? Did you like it? Did the first one they did on PS3? That's the one I played. Oh, okay. Okay. I think it's gonna be good. It looks cool. It looks good. I don't know who's voicing him because it's not Harrison Ford, but man, the voice is good. It's, I think it's Nolan North. Wow. Well, he sounds or the other the other guy, Troy Baker, one of those guys. Oh, it, yeah, it's, it, it is Troy Baker. Yeah. Okay. Fuck. It I get that mixed fun. up a lot. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Anyway. I- I want gameplay. That's all I want. I want the gameplay to work. Everything else can be shit. Yeah. I want the gameplay to be good. It showed a little bit. It's um, they showed like him whipping uh, an uh, an enemy towards him, mm-hmm. and then like hitting him in the head with a hammer, which is pretty cool. Or he punched him in the face. Then he he does that signature indie smile. Yeah, I think it's gonna be good. I'll well, wait for the reviews, and then I will not pay full price, and I'll buy it three years later when I get it. For <laughs> that's that's how I play games. These days. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting for, and I can't believe this still hasn't happened yet. I want a grown-up short round miniseries on Disney Plus. I want Koi Kwan to come back and do a short round series on Disney Plus. That would be so good. See, that would see that is how you make Disney shows. Yes, give weird spinoffs like that. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's get performance out of the way. Nobody oh. tops Gene Wilder. I think we can both agree on that. Oh, damn. I was going to say Farouk. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I was going to do Wilder. Yeah, of course. 100%. The kids are great. Like, I don't see any bad performances in this movie. Just Gene Wilder is acting on a completely different level from everybody else and just selling this madcap nutcase who's either making chocolate or committing serial murder against children, possibly both. Yeah, 100%. He did such a good job that, like, to be fair, the only two Gene Wilder movies I've seen is Blazing Saddles and Willy Wonka. But in Blazing Saddles, I can't fucking watch it and not see Willy Wonka. I'm like, take the fucking cowboy hat off and put on your top hat. Waco kid. <laughs> These people are the common clay of the New West. You know, morons. I love Blazing Saddles. <laughs> uh, you got to watch Young Frankenstein. That 
is Gene Wilder's finest hour. That is his greatest performance. Better than Willy Wonka. Better than Willy Wonka. That's crazy, man. Young Frankenstein is one of the greatest comedies of all time. It is so funny. It's timeless. He is insane. It's it's great. I wonder if I'll have to watch that, actually. No, nah, I didn't make them. I don't think any. I don't think Mel Brooks made that list. Really? Yeah, it's unfortunate. But you should just watch it for kicks because it's a great Fuck, movie. I'll watch it for kicks. Yeah, of course. He plays the grandson of Dr. Frankenstein, who <laughs> has decided to disavow his family name and refers to himself as Frederick Frankenstein. No, dude. And then he goes to Transylvania to collect his family belongings and finds the lab and decides, maybe I can do it, and tries his hand at making a Frankenstein's monster. That's funny. It's hysterical. <laughs> Shit, yeah, I'll give it a watch. Absolutely. But yeah, it 100% goes to Gene Wilder. Yeah. Um, I love Jack Albertson as, as Grandpa Joe. He is this like kind of frosty, but, you know, heartwarming, good-natured guy who everyone has good points about making him out to be a prick. I get it. But I do love his relationship with Charlie. He really does just want nothing more than his grandson's happiness. And I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the teacher. He's up there. Turkentine. Performances. What's going on out there? Ah, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, he's hilarious. Um, I like the newscaster guy who's like telling the story of the golden ticket every time. The guy who's like, yeah, you must remember there are much better things in the world, other good things to hold on to. Offhand, I can't think of what they are, but I'm sure there <laughs> must be something. <laughs> oh god it's so fucking funny dude um yeah no they're all funny yeah solid there, yeah there, there isn't a there isn't a bad performance in the movie oh my god i forgot okay no we're about to talk about scene we're gonna yeah. do music first yeah yeah, yeah. but fuck man <laughs> oh we're gonna yeah we got a lot to talk about with scene um to me nothing beats pure imagination no it's such a beautiful song about just loving life and enjoying the moment. Yeah. It should have been up for best song. It should have won best song. Uh, it's been, it was in the, the 2023 version. It was on the stage. It was in the stage play. I wish it had been in the Oh five one. I don't know how they would have fit it in, but Holy it, shit. I just realized it wasn't in there. Nope. It's not. The only songs we get are the Oompa Loompa songs in that one. That's, that's wild. But it's yeah, it's so touching and lovely, and it makes me think of Gene Wilder, who I had so much respect for as a, as a performer. And mm-hmm. when we lost him, I was I was kind of heartbroken about that one. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's a beautiful song. It is. Um, I think it has probably the best opening titles mm. I've ever seen because it uh. It takes themes from every song, except for the Oompa Loompa ones, and puts it in there. Well, I mean, it it is just scratch that. It's not. It is basically just pure imagination, but it's different, isn't well, it? Different. It's pure imagination, and I've got a golden ticket, kind of blended together. Yeah, orchestrally, and I think it's it's yeah, it, it gets it's you evil. right in the mood for some chocolate, for some whimsy. Yeah, it's great. It's good. <laughs> um. A song not a lot of people talk about, but it's one of my favorites is Cheer Up Charlie. It's very depressing. Really? I just like it. Yeah. 
Most people hate that song. Really? Why? I don't know why. Because it slows the movie down to a stop unnecessarily to tell us a bunch of stuff we already know. I don't know. I like it. Very. I, I don't. I. It does slow the movie down, but like it, I don't think it slows the movie down like too much to where it's like a no. Like I, I can't see someone being like, I fucking hate this movie. It slows it down way too much. No, it doesn't. It, it it's like a fucking two minute song. <laughs> I. It's a nice song. I do think it's unnecessary, but I get yeah. why why people would like it. Um. I can't talk about the fucking soundtrack without talking about the Primus soundtrack. <laughs> it's so good. If you haven't listened do, to it, Did listen. they do Cheer Up Charlie? They did all of the songs, yes. That's great. They did all of them. Uh, for um, I Want It Now, um, the lead singer sang it because Les Claypool's voice can't get that high. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that Veruca is the only one who gets her own song because that's totally in keeping with the greedy her character. Yeah. And it's just a fucking temper tantrum because Wonka won't let her have a goose. <laughs> it's, oh. it's great. It's yeah. I And yeah, it ends with her going down the garbage chute. Props to Julie Don Cole for that performance. She really does sell just a super bitch so well. Apparently she was like the nicest kid there too. <laughs> yeah, she was a professional actor. She had a huge crush on Charlie. She and uh, Violet kept like trying to win his affections. That's funny. And, yeah, she was super nice and had, you know, a little trouble playing a huge psycho brat. Uh, <laughs> I love when Mr. Salt's just like, where's that go? Oh, the garbage chute. Oh, the garbage chute. Yeah, right. Where's that go? The furnace. Like, what? He's like laughing about it. It's like, what? The furnace. <laughs> well, I think for a second, I think I've, I've talked about this to you before. I think for a second, he's like, he's like, thank God. She's out of my life. But then he realizes that she might be like right there and hearing him. And he's like, shit, I got to help her. That's exactly what happened. 100%. <laughs> I love oh, Grandpa Joe's reaction of like, well, Mr. Zalt finally got what he wanted. Veruca, Veruca went, went first. first. Yep. <laughs> um, do you know what a bean feast is? I do not. What is a bean feast? It's a term for an annual. This is, uh, I, I just looked it up. Uh, it's, a British term for an annual dinner provided by an employee to its workers. So what the fuck is she talking about? I don't understand what she wants. I, I guess Mr. Salt hosts like a yearly company dinner and she enjoys, she wants that. Oh, it's right here. Yeah. It's a annual summer dinner. It's from an employee to its employee employees. Hmm. Um, I guess it's just like a big feast. But what a fucking weird thing to say. Well, it's just a kid being like, I want everything and I don't want anyone else to have anything. Like, yeah. Like when, when they're in the, when we first meet Veruca and they're, you know, he's like, I got the whole factory working dawn to dusk, finding these candy bars. And she just screams, make them work nights. Like, Jesus, this kid's a monster. I like what the mom says after. She's like, happiness is what matters in children. Happiness and harmony. Oh, God. He's, he's... And they're eating rollades. Yeah. Henry and Henrietta doing that thing again. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible. You got to be just an absolute 
shit heel of a parent to create that, to let that be your child, to have been Ooh. such a failure as a provider, as a disciplinarian, to just make that and be okay with it, to just be accept, just accept the ulcers as your life. God. Yeah. I I wish Mr. Salt hadn't jumped in after her. I wish he'd gone home and been like, we're free. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Ah. Um, I've always loved I've Got a Golden Ticket because it's such a weird Damn. thing for Grandpa Joe to be singing it because Charlie's the one with the golden ticket. But yeah, yeah I do. Um, I don't. I literally just read the book and I don't fucking. Grandpa Joe does not work for Wonka. No, they made that up for the 05 movie. I like that, though. Yeah, me too. I thought that was a good touch. Yeah. It explains um, why he knows all these things about him and why he's so obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just weird. Uh, um, oh fuck! I remember the, the song. I gotta look it up. It's the song that plays on the Wonka mobile. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck! I gotta look it up. Yeah, that was odd. That whole segment is so bizarre. <laughs> um, which is your favorite Oompa Loompa track? Um, probably Mike TV. Yeah, uh, Mike TV that one or uh, Violet. I do the whole. I love the whole. You know, you'll get no commercials. I love. You'll that. get no. You'll get no. You'll get no commercials. It's almost like they were just like like that's the the grand finale for the Umpalubas. You know, like all the other songs were practice songs. This time they've got like a, a fucking you know choreography and and like a backing orchestra and shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause uh, for the Primus one, they're all, it's, it's all the same. It's obviously, it's the same thing. It's just the lyrics are different, but during the show, uh, someone came out in a giant paper mache, like helmet mask of an Oompa Loompa. And they just had them doing squats to the beat of the song. And it was beautiful. <laughs> what the hell? That sounds like some surrealist crazy shit. I would yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's fucking it's Primus. It is Primus. Um, I can't fucking uh starts with it. You know what I can do? I can go to the fucking I can open Spotify on my phone. I I do have a, a question for you. Yeah. Who can take the sunrise, sprinkle it with dew, cover it in chocolate, and a miracle or two? The Candyman can. I love that song. It's so, so good. Sweet. It's so sweet and good natured. It's a great way to start things out. And yeah, I like Bill. He's a little rude to Charlie, but I like Bill. <laughs> this is uh, oh, yeah, Charlie when the guy when the Candyman's just handing out free candy. Maybe that's the time yeah. you try to blend into the crowd. <laughs> it's almost like he. I kept expecting like if Charlie walked in there for Bill to like pause the song and be like, "Poor kid, poor kid." Get out. <laughs> nice. I found it. it's uh oh well I don't want to be wrong. The fucking lady says it. It's the thing he does on the piano. Oh, fucking yeah. It's actually Mozart, but she says Rachmaninoff because she isn't as smart as she thinks she is. <laughs> 
And I didn't catch that joke till I actually I read it in the book that I did my research for here, where he said, "Yeah, that was Mozart, and we made her look like a dodo because her name was Dodo." That's funny. And the reason I think it was in the boat scene. Oh it, yeah, it is. It it's not the same song. I was thinking of two completely different things. When he's uh, when he's driving the Wonka mobile through the foam, he's mm-hmm. singing fucking something, and it's funny as shit because he keeps getting blasted with foam. Swifter than eagles, stronger <laughs> than lions. <laughs> this fucking giant elaborate car that drives twenty feet. <laughs> and that's the fact that that's the end of the tour. Oh no, wait. Nope, it's not the end of the tour. The TV room is the is the end of the tour. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do love the super triumphant music when Charlie finds the ticket. Oh like, yeah, man. it just feels so rewarding. It's like yes. Yes, it's pure triumph. It's what we would all feel if we won the lottery. It's just, woo! And then running home to that beautiful, I've got a golden ticket score, just the happiest he's ever felt in his life. It's (laughs) so great. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Um, What else? I I like uh, the whole soundtrack, but yeah, what else you got? I think it's just the opening credits music again, but it's when the glass elevator shoots out of the factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The music fits with that scene so well. I love the little flute music that Wonka uses to summon the Oompa Loompas. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that is something. That, now, Mel Stewart wrote that specifically for the movie. He had a background in music, and that's the only bit of music he wrote for the movie. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. So that's his little contribution to the to the score. That's cool. This book. I'm so glad I found this book. Um <laughs> I my favorite interaction between Wonka and the Oompa Loompas is with Mike TV when he tells the Oompa Loompa like, all right, take him to the taffy pulling room and do your best. And the Oompa Loompa whispers something and Wonka's like, oh, no, I won't hold you responsible. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. I never realized that he like while he's walking Mrs. TV to the other like to the exit, he's swinging the purse. (laughs) Oh, it's so fucking good. Stop, don't, come back. <laughs> All right, scene. What What are we shouting at? Do you want to go, you want to get the tunnel scene out of the way? Sure, go, yeah. You, you can right. talk about the tunnel scene. What the fuck was this? So you don't see a lot of kids' movies that are primarily targeted towards children and turn into freaky surrealist horror for five minutes and then go right back <laughs> to the regular scheduled program like nothing happened. Yeah. That's I this is the only time I've ever seen that actually. I don't think I've ever seen that in anything else. Maybe Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh Black Cauldron has some pretty freaky moments. I Yeah, I guess Black Cauldron didn't hit me personally, but yeah, you're right. That does get weird. The whole the Horn King and all that shit. That's a good movie. We should do that at some point. Should. Yeah. That's such an underrated movie. Um so I have here um, in this book, Mel Stewart, who I'm sure has been asked this his entire life. Uh, what the fuck was that? Uh, has an explanation for us. So he said. It wasn't a psychedelic trip, or at least it wasn't my intention for people to think it was. It was simply a deliberate attempt to heighten the drama in the film and to introduce an element of danger in the trip through the factory. However, I can't prevent people from interpreting the movie in a way that suits them. As for me, I've never taken a drug in my life, so I don't know anything about their effects. I know that you don't take drugs because no 
anybody who's taken drugs would ever say, <laughs> I've never taken a drug in my life. And worded that way. I have never single drug. Yeah. I if, if I was offered a drug, I would say, no, thank you. What a tool. He's a tool. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So, and he actually says that the scariest part of the trip is Gene's, quote, inspired lunatic reading of the poem. It certainly solidified the image we wanted to project of Wonka. So they were like, yeah, this will be creepy and weird. But then Gene Wilder started chanting and they're like, okay, what the fuck? Even they were disturbed by that. It's like, okay, cut. Yeah, because all the kids were like, what's going on? He didn't tell anybody he was going to do that. He just started oh, chanting, God. there's no earthly way of knowing. And everyone was like, what do we do we say cut i love i love uh salt's reaction he's just like okay like he starts repeating him yeah, he's stating character yeah that was great <laughs> and the best part is that like unearthly shriek he does when he's done <laughs> i i thought on a recent viewing i watched this also back in december to prep for the 2023 wonka because mm. I, I don't need an excuse to watch Willy wonka i'm just gonna do that yeah. but <laughs> I thought Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory would be the greatest movie of all time if the first half is childlike whimsy and as soon as they get to the factory it turns into a completely horrific slasher movie that would be great like as soon as the tunnel happens like now it's balls out horror and no one's safe and Wonka's actively killing these children <laughs> that would be fucking insane they get to the imagination room and he's like alright and then you just fucking like if he actually like his cane's a sword and he fucking like stabs Augustus Gloop in the fucking eye and then everyone else goes hides in the back. And then like his gut like mixes his guts in with the chocolate. Oh god. Like that's the secret ingredient of Wonka's candy. Children. And who shows up to save them? The fucking tinker. <laughs> that would be <laughs> or better yet, the tinker, he's Willy Wonka. This guy. Is some nut pretending to be Willy Wonka? Ooh, there's there's a horror movie in here. There's a there really, really is, good yeah. horror movie in this in this story that I would love to explore. Uh, apparently, people saw Steamboat Willie and thought, "Yeah, there's a horror movie there." So now, not only are we getting a horror movie, Mickey Mouse uh, movie because he's in the public domain, we're getting a fucking Mickey Mouse horror game. So. Well, maybe if one day Willy Wonka ends up in the public domain, someone will. Oh, I'm sure will have my vision. <laughs> um, just small scene, but me and my dad love it so much. When Augustus Gloop's father eats the microphone, <laughs> I've never been able to figure out how they did that. I, I love that, <laughs> and no one reacts to it. They're just like, "Okay, get a new mic." Oh, it's so fucking good. <laughs> that's that's a that's a glutton. When you can't tell the difference between sausage and a microphone, you 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 got problems. Yeah. Uh yeah, I I love again, I know we've talked about it already, but the scene with the computer where the guys like I have I have revolutionized the computer industry and this computer is going to tell me exactly where to find the ticket. And he punches in numbers and he's the computer says I won't tell. That would be cheating. And the guy gets super nervous talking to the investors and it turns into a 
You just attacks the computer. I love that. I'm now telling the computer exactly what it can do with a lifetime supply of chocolate. <laughs> oh, it's great. So good. <laughs> um, I love the whole inventing room scene. I like when he uh, he puts his finger in it and he goes, ah! He's like, what is it, hot? He goes, it's cold. It's far too cold. And he puts fucking, he puts coats in it. Like oh, jackets. Cold. It's cold. Yeah. I never caught that until uh, a couple, a few times ago when I was watching it. I, I like when he eats it and uh, they're like, is it good? And he goes, yes. <laughs> I love when he puts the shoes in it and they're like, what's that for? It's like, it's a little kick. <laughs> One line he says, I can't believe I forgot to say this. I'm trying to look up the exact measurements because I love this line. When he's in, he's in the inventing room, he's mixing together something, and he says, invention, my dear friends, is 93% perspiration, 6% electricity, 4% evaporation, and 2% butterscotch ripple. <laughs> I don't know if it's, Mrs. TV's like, that's 105%. <laughs> like, he doesn't care. He really doesn't care. No. <laughs> this isn't a tour. This is to see if your little shits will live up to own his factory. Entirely, uh, yeah. I, the invention, oh, maybe shit. that's a new way to look at it. Maybe that's why he's the way he is in the movie, like a sarcastic asshole. Because as soon as he meets them at the fence, he's like, Oh, shit okay, none of these kids. Yeah. He's like, My factory's gonna fucking go over, I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, I think he has a little bit of hope for Charlie, but then the fizzy lifting drinks thing happens, and he's like, Ah, oh, shit. Well, I guess we're doing this again next year, yeah. Because he, he never really like talks to Charlie. No, not really. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah, the inventing room scene is awesome. Uh, the whole gobstopper thing is great. Uh, I read a I read a cool theory that said that Violet was the one who deserved to get the factory. How? Because she actively like experiments with herself like she tries the gum herself like that's what a that's what an inventor would do that's what a candy man would do yeah but the story is the man who wanted everything lived happily ever after it's not a very good it's not tale is it it's, no it's not at all <laughs> i also love the casual mention of wonka clearly testing all this shit on oompa loompas yeah. Oh my God. Fuck. I mean, he's, let's let's be completely honest about what this is. Willy Wonka kidnapped an entire race of little people to run his chocolate factory, and is paying them in chocolate. That's what's happening here in all three movies. That's well, what's happening here. I mean, in Wonka, you know, it, you know, because it, what what is it? He he has to pay them back a thousandfold. Yeah, because Oompa Loompas are some vengeful little shits. I didn't like that touch. No. Yeah. Um man, I've talked about it. Oh, no. I like when they lick the wallpaper. <laughs> Cuz I want to lick that wallpaper. That's a great idea as long as you can get the wallpaper replaced. Mm. Otherwise, you're going to have some sticky nasty shit on your walls forever. <laughs> uh, you ever like, like spilled a drink like you know you ever spilled some soda on the wall and thought i'm just gonna leave that there because that's no. what it is. yeah <laughs> i like when um 
when when they're putting their coats and hats up and it grabs it. That was a last minute decision. They 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 just thought that up on the day of shooting. They're like, let's paint some people's hands gold and do this weird thing with the hangers. That's funny. Yeah, it's a That's great. great. Touch. I love Slugworth's interaction with Charlie because it's so creepy. Doesn't need to be creepy. Slugworth could have done this in a reasonable way and not in a dark alley wearing a bowler hat. Yeah, but when he tells Charlie, like you know, I will give you ten thousand of these. I always thought those were like coupons. It didn't look like cash. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, pound. It's never impl- it's never explicitly stated where this takes place, and that's yeah. entirely on purpose. Roald Dahl and Mel Stewart and Tim Burton and Paul King all wanted this to be just a nondescript, possibly European town. Yeah. And I I respect that everybody from the book to all three movies committed to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention the music. Slugworth's music, whenever he shows up. Oh, the like, like the, the sinister drop. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, I just love the scene um, when they go into Wonka's office and the fact that everything is, I never fucking, why is everything cut in half? Just because he's weird. That was another thing that was like last minute decision. They're like, what if they thought, they thought uh, Wonka's office looks too normal. The guy running this place cannot have just a normal office. He had a fucking toilet in the middle of his office. No door or anything. What do you mean it looks just normal? He had a safe that was cut open. Like there's, oh, did I didn't notice that. It was a safe, yeah. That he just, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I wrote an essay in college, a twenty-page essay about how Willy Wonka, specifically this version, is a retelling, a modern-day retelling of Dante's Inferno. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got a really good grade on that paper. It saved saved my grade in that class because that that was the only grade we had, and I did not read Dante's Inferno, so I was fucked. Thankfully, I knew Wonka, so I I was good there. But I I made a I laid out a pretty good argument. I I brought in the Oompa Loompas. They were like the the cherubs of of Limbo. Were the Oompa Loompas? Mm-hmm. Wonka himself was like he was Virgil leading Charlie, who was Dante through the bowels of hell, which was the factory. Like it worked. It made huh. sense. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. I. That was my that might be my favorite paper I ever wrote, including my thesis. My uh, favorite paper I had to write a um for uh honors English, I had to write a like a I basically had to like uh put my own spin on like a fairy tale everyone knows. So I wrote how Tweedledee and Tweedledum got to Wonderland. And it was uh it was only uh one guy. No, it was a it was a guy and his friend. It was uh Dumb and D. And they were bank robbers in Victorian England and they get caught. And as they were running away, they fell down the hole. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, that's right. Um, so it was only one guy, but he had a split personality disorder. So he like, but he knew that the other guy was like a voice in his head and not, not real. So when he he's running away, he robs the bank, he's running away and he falls down the hole to get to Wonderland. And then since he's in Wonderland, it manifested into a whole other person. And that's why they look the way that they do, because he had his psyche literally ripped in half. That is fucking awesome. That's a great yeah. idea. <laughs> I got a fucking B. Fuck that. Sh- that's an A. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. 
the essay I wrote in middle school that inspired my entire love affair with writing, I got to be on that too. Nice. There you go. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I think that covers everything. Is there anything else you wanted to shout before we move on? The whole movie <laughs> is a great scene, honestly. <laughs> I do. Oh, one one last thing. I love the machine that makes the the five course meal gum. Like, yes, the boxing gloves and the beehive, and it's so weird looking. Mm-hmm. It's such an inconvenient like thing to make just one piece of gum. <laughs> that and the everlasting gobstopper machine. I love the sound it makes. Yeah, it's like hoses and horns and shit. It's like something out of Dr. Seuss. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there who who's a better who's better at creating like worlds and characters? Dr. Seuss or Roald Dahl? Who's the better child author? Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. Seuss, I feel like just looked around his house and thought, uh, all right, pocket uh uh walk it. All right, that works. And then just rhymed nonsense. <laughs> until he had something that was relatively coherent. I'm not saying he was bad. I'm just saying, you know, he was, you know, I'm not reading Dr. Seuss books in my thirties. Yeah, no fucking Roald Dahl has witches, BFG, Willy Wonka, uh, Charlie and Chuck factory. Um, Matilda. And Matilda. Yeah. And more. SIO trot. Spelled backwards. Oh, yeah. He, he was great. He was, you know, sour guy who hated children and also a snozberry is a slang term he made up for a dick so do that you know do with that information what you will oh that oh god the, oh, wow okay Maruka had a point what's a snozberry well do you really want willy wonka to tell you that <laughs> uh i do love the little interaction that he has with violet after he makes the the gum He's like, do you know what this is? And she's like, by gum, it's gum. He just gets right in her face and wrong. goes, wrong. <laughs> With this like cheery grin on his face. I, <laughs> that kills me every time. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, let's take a look at what the folks on Letterboxd have to say on our final segment, What's in the Box? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory has a 3.8 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Pretty damn good. Uh, It's a 5 out of 5 for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have four reviews here that are just fucking hilarious. Uh, This first one, I think this person needs a hug. This is from Onikers Onikers Offline. Onikers of... I, I don't know. Oh, Nikki, you're so fine. Ha ha, I got it. (laughs) This is a half a star review. Oh, no. This is genuinely the scariest horror movie I've ever seen. This movie haunts me to this day. There was a time in my life where I hadn't seen that, and I missed that time. I wish I would relive that piece even just for a day. If I had to pick one movie that I hate the most, it's this one. If I had to pick a movie to erase from the world, it's this one. I fucking hate this movie. Wow, okay. It's kind of spooky. It's not that... Okay. I think, yeah, I'm. has this person ever seen like a real horror movie and did it turn them catatonic? Because if this is too much for you, holy hell. Maybe they're like a health nut and they're just scared of candy. They're scared of candy. Sugar! (laughs) That 
that's a, that makes more sense than <laughs> being like legitimately afraid of this as a horror movie. Um, this next one's from Matt Singer. A kid on the bus told me if you sing the Candyman five times in front of a mirror, Gene Wilder appears and turns you into a giant blueberry. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It'd be funny if it's just Gene Wilder, not in Willy Wonka character. Just Gene Wilder shows up. I would love if he doesn't like pop. It's not like he pops through the mirror. Like he has to get in his car and drive to you. <laughs> he might show up like in a couple days, depending on how far <laughs> he is away. At home. And yeah. he's like, oh, damn it, another fucking kid. Yeah. And he's like, what? Here, blue. here's the gum. Don't don't call on me again. <laughs> um, this next one's from James with a little star emoji. Wonka would give zero fucks if one of those kids died, and that's why I love him. Three and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, me too. He just if he focuses effort. My TV has a you know he has a point. If he 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 solves world hunger with that gum. He solved teleportation. Yeah, he did. But also, imagine... Think of the incredible waste of resources turning a giant, like, eight-foot-long chocolate bar into a tiny chocolate bar. Yeah. think That's that's like 40 Wonka bars. Maybe more. I, it's awful. It's not, a, it's not a good system. No. Not a good... And teleportation... I guess, you know, if you want to teleport to being two inches tall, I guess. Downsizing. Downsizing. <laughs> I I wanted that movie to be so much more than it was. I haven't seen it. I heard it was bad. It's not bad. It's just it doesn't really know where to go after the shrinking bit. Hmm. And it turns into like an apocalypse. It was weird. Oh, okay. That's weird. Uh this last one. This is from Waltart Wit. Like Walter White. That's what I, yeah, I imagine. What's his little picture? It's a character from Tekken. All right, never mind. It's been 50 years since Willy Wonka pushed a child into the chocolate river, chanted a death cult speech, and demonically screamed in a tunnel, killed a child via inflation, burned the next one in a furnace along with her father, and making a child really small and stretching him until he's ripped in half. What a charming movie. Four and a half stars. He didn't push. Did he? I don't know. He pushed a Augustus into the an river. argument can be made. Like if you, he, he he comes pretty damn close to pushing Augustus into the river. Like if I was an onlooker there, I would I would testify. Yes, officer, I saw him push him into the <laughs> river. <laughs> oh man, I do love that Charlie's the only one who actively tries to help him. Like his own mother doesn't jump in there to try to get him out of the pipe. Like she just yeah, just Charlie. Yeah, Charlie's like, grab this, and nope. <laughs> the mom's just like, help. Help. Police. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> they haven't been there five minutes, and he's already lost a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was so much fun. I'm so glad we did this one. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. If you like what we do, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or send us a message through Facebook, Instagram, or X. 
Check out our letterbox accounts for daily reviews. You can search me at Connor95, and in my friends list, you can find the rest of the team. Check out our website, filmgasm.com, where I have a link to that letterbox if you want to read my reviews. You can also find articles, trailers of upcoming films in every episode of every era of our show. If you'd like to become a monthly donor to Filmgasm Productions, feel free to click on the link in the episode description. From there, click on Support This Podcast. You can choose to donate a dollar a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month. All donations go right back into the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks to the entire Filmgasm team for their contributions to the show. Thanks to Cooley Cal for our awesome theme music, and thanks to you for checking it out. Next week, we continue our Wonka talk with the 2005 Tim Burton remake, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. While often considered the worst big screen version of this story, it does have its defenders, such as my cousin Maja, who says it's her favorite one. So next week, it's a bit of a battle as we discuss what it is about Burton's version that Maja loves so much. And that's what kind of inspired this whole thing. So Wonka Wonka, back to back. Never done that before, but this felt appropriate. Hmm. <laughs> it's not my favorite, but I mean, I don't hate it. When I watched it for the prep for Wonka 2023, I got to say, I liked it le- like the least amount I've ever liked it. <laughs> it, it's, it goes down in status every time I watch it. It's about two and a half stars right now. It might drop that half a star when I watch it next week. Uh, we'll see. I, yeah. But I'm going to try to find some value in this. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear what Maja has to say about this being her favorite. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Until then. Don't be a selfish, entitled child. And while you're at it, have a chocolate bar. Take it easy. Keep watching movies. And we'll see you next time.